Friends, I have fantastic news. I'm back. I am back. My microphone is a little on the low side on the Adobe Audition front. So give me a minute. I'm going to try and fix that while you all listen to Rob Curry. Actually, I can't. We're just going to have to go with it. We're just going to have to go with it. And hope it comes out okay in post. That's okay. That's okay. We'll make this work. It's fine. I'll just keep it nice and close to my face. That'll work. That'll work. Hey, there's Tony Cook. What's up, Tony? Uh, Hey, so as promised, or did I promise it? I said that hopefully I would be back and I would be on a computer running Windows 10. And guess what, friends? I am back and I'm on a computer running Windows 10. I learned that it's just as difficult and infuriating and insane and stupid to try and set up a perfectly legal version of Windows as it is to set up a cracked, uh, patchy, bad version of Windows without the uh, psychological benefit of of giving Bill Gates the old what for uh, and not paying for his stupid software, which for some reason they aren't able to make widely compatible. And every installation has to be sort of tailored to your very specific computer. It's so stupid. Why would I have to unplug other hard drives in my computer to be able to install the software? Like, what the hell's the matter with you? Anyway, I digress. You know what? I'm feeling grouchy about that. I need to just... It's done. The computer is running. Many thanks to my good friend Josh L. Oh, wait, that's too obvious. Let's call him Jay Lake uh, for connecting me with not only a legal copy of uh, Windows, but a lot of on-the-fly tech support, which, to be fair, is his job, and I was making him do it on a Sunday. But uh, we got there in the end. We got there in the end. Uh, And yeah, let's just drink some beer, having said that. By the way, that song, that was Link Ray Gun by Rob Curry and the Curry Brothers. As always, link in the description. Always very thankful when I hear that song. Now, tonight is a tricky one. Kids watching at home, I am sorry. The beer is already poured. And there is a good reason for that. The reason is that I have two, count them, two beers. It's a two for Tuesday, even though it's Monday. Yeah, that is Sklepnik Old Style Pilsner, Pale Lager, from Godspeed Brewery on... I was going to try and do left and right. It's my right. I don't know what it looks like to you on your video. I don't know if it's getting mirrored. Can't tell you. But in this can... Hailing from a while ago is the recipe uh, that Bim came up with. This is his homage to Pilsner Urquell. And specifically, the unfiltered Pilsner Urquell uh, that you can get at the brewery and sometimes at bars uh, in, in this country, more common in, uh, in the Czech Republic. 
Um, this was his homage to it. This, of course, was made at Godspeed uh, Brewery in Godspeed Setup, which uh, uses as almost every brewery uh, in in certainly the province, probably the country, uses uh, stainless steel fermenters. I only mention that because that is not what they use at Pilsner or Kell. At Pilsner or Kell, they use 40 hectoliter oak barrels that are pitch lined. So these are uh, 4,000 liter barrels, huge, massive. You could stand inside them easily. Uh, they're, they're on their sides like a footer. So like the, the heads, the flat sides are not up and down. They're side to side. But they're lined with pitch, so the, the wood doesn't actually have any major impact on the flavor of the beer. They don't taste oaky uh, the way that like a footer would, or just a regular barrel. But that is what they use at Pilsner Urkel. And Bim, at Godspeed, got the Coopers at Pilsner Urkel to make him two of those fermenters. And they arrived in Toronto a few months back, they got installed, he brewed a batch of Sklepnik, and fermented it in the authentic, made at Pilsner Urkel by their own Coopers, Pilsner Urkel pitch-lined barrels. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell the difference between the two. And to uh, try and uh, uh, see if I can, uh, what I had my, my darling, delightful wife do was she poured me each beer into nearly identical glasses. They're not exactly identical. They're both tulip-style glasses, holding them up for the cameras. But you can see one is Cowbell, from Cowbell Brewery in Kincardine, and the other is a blank Spiegelau tulip glass. The glasses are very similar, but slightly different. Uh, the edge on the Spiegelau is slightly uh, finer. Other than that, they're very similar. As I mentioned, I didn't pour them. You can see, though, actually, they've retained a not terrible amount of head. And I can um, cautiously spin and renew some of that head there. That's looking a bit better. Yeah. Uh, I have here a folded piece of paper. I have not looked at this piece of paper. It's just in my pocket. My wife has indicated which one is which. I do not know. I do know that for the sake of simplicity, the new uh, Pilsner or Kell barrel one is can number two, and the uh, older style stainless steel is can number one. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to, this is going to be tricky. I might have bitten off more than I can chew. These beers might, might taste identical to my palate, but they might not, and there's only one way to find out. Now the question is, do I start with Cowbell or with Spiegelau. I'm going to sniff them both. I don't think it matters, to be honest with you, so. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can tell you, in terms of aroma, they're basically the same. Really classic Czech Pilsner malt. I know it's Morovian uh, uh, Pilsner malt. Um... Smells exactly like what you'd expect. And saws hops, which are spicy uh, and just a teeny bit floral to my nose anyway. Uh, but spicy saws hops and hoppy. I mean, they have a generic hop kind of uh, aroma and taste to them. I haven't tasted them yet, but I can tell you that. I know that. Okay. Okay. 
yeah, I really, really don't know which one to do first, if I'm honest with you. Um, let's go cowbell first. We're going to go cowbell first, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll go cowbell first. Let's see what we see. Okay. Now, this is a beer I'm very familiar with, by the way. I get this beer a lot. And this is exactly what I expect of it. A, it's quite similar to Pilsner or Kel. Nice Pilsner malt. The malt's almost a little... Uh, when we say grassy with malt, it's not like the way that hops are grassy. It's not like wet, uh, leafy grassy. It's um, Barley is a cereal grain, which is... It's a grass. It's the seed of a grass. And uh, so it isn't like wet, cut grass, but there's like a hay-like almost quality to the malt uh, that, uh, that sometimes you get. Um, yeah. Pilsner malty, snappy, a little crackery. And then the sauce hops. I mean, <laughs> the thing that's fantastic about this beer, it's quite bitter. Now I say that, and then I always have to check myself and say, like, not compared to an IPA, it's not like that level of bitter, but it's notably bitter. Again, sauce hops, spicy, a little astringent. I'm actually, it's, I'm not really dinging too much flowers off of that one. Let's try the, the Spiegelau, the blank glass, and see if there's a notable difference. Pardon me, I just had to burp there. That was embarrassing. Hmm. They're very similar. Huh. Hang on. Trying cowbell. Tastes are very much the same. I think I'm getting a slightly different mouthfeel, but I might be fooling myself. Now, I think that the blank glass, the Spiegelau glass, is a little smoother, a little creamier isn't quite the right word. It's got a softer mouthfeel to it. It feels gentler. Oh, I've been corrected, by the way. Kevin says, Cowbell's in Blythe, Ontario. It's gray matter that's in King Cardine. My apologies. Stand corrected. Those are near each other, though, right? King Cardine and, and Blythe, I think. Trying the cowbell again. Yeah, no, I think without a doubt. The only perceivable difference I'm getting is that the mouthfeel on the, the blank glass, it's just a bit softer. It's um, creamy isn't quite the right word, but that's as close as I can get. It's just got a softer, 
smoother mouthfeel. The uh, the one in the cowbell glass is not harsh or aggressive. It almost just feels like it's not the carbonation, but it feels almost like the carbonation is just a little pricklier. And the uh, and the carbonation on the uh, the blank one, it's a little rounder. It's not as if the bubbles are pointy and round, but there's something in the the sensation in my mouth. I don't really taste anything different, but it feels different in my mouth. And they're both fantastic, without a doubt. Okay, I think we need to go to the uh, go to the the judges. Okay, now can number one is the stainless steel. Can number two is the pitch lined version. Now. I'm just assuming that if I'm correct and 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 I'm getting a slight difference in the mouthfeel that the pricklier cowbell glass contains can number 1 and the blank Spiegelau glass with the smoother rounder softer mouthfeel is the uh the pitch lined and I'm basing that, I don't know what pitch does to beer. But like I know that activated charcoal is like a natural filter. I don't know what pitch is. I just wonder if something about maybe it's, a, is it more porous? I don't know. But that's my guess that either it's, it's, it's buffered something somehow, it's done something. I don't know the science behind this. I might be wrong. The other side of it is it's 50-50. If I had really wanted to do this and also hadn't minded drinking a lot of beer after I was done, I actually would have done a triangle where two would have been the same and one would have been different. Now, I don't know if I have three glasses like this, so I would, maybe would have had to use different glassware. Maybe I should repeat this with a triangle test at some point. But for now, these are my predictions. The cowbell glass contains beer number one, which is the stainless steel version, slightly pricklier, the blank Spiegelau glass contains can number two, which is a, a little rounder, a little smoother mouthfeel, a little softer mouthfeel. And I don't know if you can see that on the camera. Blank Spiegelau is number two. I am correct. And Cowbell is number one. <coughs> to be perfectly fair, I'm drinking these in pretty ideal conditions out of, by the way, fantastically clean glassware. And uh, I can notice a difference when I taste them side by side. But I will also tell you, I've been drinking both of these all weekend. And when I have one, and then I finish that one, and then I put that can in the kitchen, and then I come to the icebox, because my beer fridge is in my office, not the fridge in the kitchen and then I come here and I get another one uh, and then I have it and it's the different one uh, my first thought isn't oh the mouth feels slightly different literally I have to be tasting them side by side they are visual I was gonna say visually identical they should be visually identical 
It's hard to say because there's so much color cast coming off the screen. I wish I had... Well, I got a bright white light up there. Yeah. Yeah, they're identical. Um, which makes sense. It's the same recipe. It's just a different fermenter. Uh, tasting them directly side by side, there is a minute difference in the mouthfeel. But, uh, but they're delightful. Mmm. It is so good. I suppose the other thing, actually, now that I say that, I wonder... There's the date code. So the stainless steel version was packaged on the 17th of January, 2023. And the stainless steel was packaged on January 30th, uh, 2023. So this one is two weeks fresher but it's a lager, so it does get aged for a significant period before it gets released anyway. And I don't think that's the explanation. Maybe it is a little, but I think it has more to do with what it's fermented in. What's interesting, actually thinking about that, is that those two weeks, have, there hasn't been a notable drop-off in quality over the two weeks, which, to be fair, you wouldn't expect there to be. A properly canned, sealed well-made beer shouldn't have a noticeable uh, flavor difference. Maybe an IPA, something that, again, where you're really focusing on the aromatics of the hops. That you might, again, if you were in perfect condition side by side, be able to note a little difference between like identical beers that are just ones newer. But uh, it is interesting to think about. Which one do I prefer, I hear you ask? Hmm. Ben Johnson's here. Ben, you just missed all the fun. Just to catch you up, and oh gosh, I almost knocked over two beers at once. And for anyone else who might have just joined in, which won't happen, I would see that. Only people watching live would just join in now, otherwise you'd just be listening from... Anyway, the point is, in case you forgot, we're drinking both types of Godspeed's Sklepnik Old Style. Uh, the stainless steel version and the new Pilsner Urkel... Uh, uh, barrel version. And uh, indeed, I did notice a very slight difference between the two, and it was in mouthfeel. And I identified one as having a bit of a rounder, softer mouthfeel, uh, and I suspected that that was the Pilsner Cal Barrel version, and it certainly was. Which one do I prefer, to be honest with you? I couldn't care less. I prefer the Pilsner Urkel one because it's got some romance behind it. The one made in the barrels. And I suppose the mouthfeel is, to me, I think I would prefer that slightly rounder mouthfeel. But again, when I was drinking them one at a time, I couldn't have told you that there was a difference. I really have to be sitting here drinking them out of side-by-side, -side, basically identical glassware to be able to tell you that... Mm, yeah, that one's just got a slightly pricklier mouthfeel than the uh, than the other, but they're just amazing beers. I just noticed on the side of the uh, the Sklepnik, uh, the new one, the it's got the description in Czech as well as in English. That's nice. It says Sklepnik is. By the way, I'm reading the English just in case that wasn't evident. 
you never know. Sklepnik is the culmination of our brewmaster's painstaking mission to honor Czech brewing tradition and technique. Inspired by the unfiltered, boldly hopped original Pilsner, our Pilsen-style pale lager fermented and matured in pitch-lined 40 hectoliter barrels crafted for us by the skilled barrel makers at Pilsner Urkel. Floor malted Pilsner malt, saws hops, decoction mashing, natural carbonation, and time coalesce to fashion this subtle yet refined creation. My golly, that sounds real nice. Real nice. By the way, decoction mashing. Just retake a little bit of the mash out and you bring it to a boil and then you add it back in and that slightly raises the temperature of the mash. And especially with like a very traditional malt, like a floor uh, malted uh, Morovian uh, Pilsner malt, um, which is low modified, which holy moly, how much time do you have on your hands? Let's just assume that we understand what that means. Requires a more intentional mashing process to ensure that you get proper uh, extraction and also conversion of the sugars. It also incidentally adds to nice mouthfeel. And this beer has got that in spades, especially this one. Mm-mm-mm. What a great pair of beers. What are you gonna eat while you have these? While you have either? Okay, here's a hot take for you. Follow me on this one. I've probably spoken about this before. You might have heard this before. Uh, but what you're going to have with this is pizza. And I know that seems weird because you're thinking tomato sauce, garlic, cheese. But here's the thing. A lot of Italians drink like an Italian Pilsner with pizza. Not so much wine. I mean, sure, there are definitely people, Italian people, who will drink wine with pizza, but it's actually very common <laughs> to have a nice, you know, uh, uh, Neapolitan style hot out of the, uh, out of the wood oven kind of pizza with a snappy hoppy lager. Uh, and, uh, the reasons, well, I mean, there are some justifiables, which is to say like snappy lager, uh, cheese, you're off to a good start. The cheese on pizza tends to be mozzarella or something in that range, a softer, milder, uh, fatty, nice melting cheese. Uh, Pilsner's going to cut right through that. In terms of the uh, pasta sauce, well, remember that especially in pizza, the two major flavor ingredients in the tomato sauce, obviously other than the tomato sauce itself, is uh, garlic and oregano. Now, the uh, garlic is a taste that you don't tend to run into too much in beer, but oregano uh, is spicy. And what did we say Saw's Hops was? Spicy. So you get a little simpatico, plus you get uh, a snappy hop that helps cut through some of that cheese. Uh, the tomato and the garlic are, don't don't go one way or the other. They're just there and it's nice. But then also think about the crust. It's made out of flour, which is made out of wheat, which is also a cereal grain that comes from grass. Uh, it, it actually makes a ton of sense when you think about it. Um, so yeah, have pizza with this. And uh, I was going to say, if you want to do it vegan, you can. No, you can't. I'm yet to find a, a convincing mozzarella equivalent in the plant-based market. And please, by all means, tell me about this company and that company, and I've probably come across it. 
Unfortunately, cheese is just really, really, really hard to do. <laughs> you can get a pretty decent, like, processed cheese. Goes great on a burger or on a grilled cheese or on tacos. Um, but they always have an oily kind of quality to them. Um, they just, they're never right. And especially for something like a pizza, if you're doing it really well. By the way, I'm assuming you're making this pizza because I make pizza. But it does occur to me that most people actually order pizza. And if that's what you're doing, hey, order it from wherever you want and get it however you like. But, uh, but yeah, have a pizza with your Sklepnik old style Pilsner. You will not mind that one bit. Go great with a bunch of cheeses, absolutely. And it's a Pilsner. Like, I am drinking this out of, you know, delightful tulip glasses that I actually spent a not insignificant amount of time cleaning before this because I really value not only uh, this this beer, but the brewery and, and the brewer. And I wanted to do right by them um, and not have it in a filthy glass. Uh but some of the ones that I drank this weekend were just out of the can because it is a Pilsner. And uh, turns out you can just stick your mouth near that hole and tilt it and uh, you're off to the races. Uh, so anytime you would just have a nice Pilsner, if you just want to have a good Pilsner, like if your your friends are cracking, you know, PBRs or Buds or whatever, you could just have this. It's, you know, a lot more expensive. Like I think they're like, 350 or 375 a can, which using the Chris Schreier not adjusted for inflation pricing uh, scheme is pretty close to bang on anyway. And then you factor in the fact that, for instance, this one required having barrels handmade by people in the Czech Republic and shipped here uh, means that actually you're probably getting a bit of a steal uh, when you get right down to it. But I digress. This is good beer. Sklepnik, old style. The homage to Pilsner Urkel made by the delightful Godspeed Brewery here in Toronto. You want to talk about events? Well, you missed the launch of this. I, since I went to it, that's not entirely true. I ordered this beer online, selected uh, pickup because you couldn't order it until 11 a.m. on Friday. And that means it wouldn't have been delivered till today. And I wanted to drink it at the weekend. Also, I can easily just go by Godspeed on my way to hockey, so I just left a bit earlier. But then, of course, went in, and there was nobody at the retail uh, counter because it was about 15 minutes until the retail closed, and the joint was jumping, so all the staff was serving in the bar. So I went to the bar to try and find somebody to say, hey, I, I got to pick up from the retail, and uh, but then bumped into BIM and uh, the ever-delightful Milos uh, from uh, London. Uh, the not-so-good London, but it's great. It's just not the best one. <laughs> but the man behind Milos, Craft Beer Emporium, and so much good beer in London. Uh, and so we had a good chat. He's a guy who also likes to go in the lake in the middle of the winter and have ice baths. And uh, he just walks around in shorts and a t-shirt all winter, he tells me. He's fine. I'm not at that level. But uh, we had a good chat about, uh, yeah cold water exposure and beer. It was great. Stayed longer than I meant to, which is to say about seven minutes. And I thought I'd be in and out in two, but uh, it was nice catching up. And then I got the beer and went to hockey. And also my tire uh, exploded. No, it didn't explode. It just went totally flat. And what a night. But uh, I did get five goals at hockey, I think, or four. I lost count. 
But, uh, oh, fridge is on. I hate that. I was hoping it wasn't going to come on. Mm. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, events. Yeah, well, you missed that one. I wouldn't be surprised if you could still get it, though, at Godspeed on Tap, and you can definitely get it in cans. It's available online and in the store. But we're not going to talk about beer events. Well, not direct beer events. What we're going to talk about is the Six Nations. Because, my friends, I did not mention it last weekend, or maybe I did and I forgot. Couldn't tell you. But Six Nations Rugby has started. And if you've listened to this show more than thrice, you've probably heard me talk about rugby because there are a few things in this world, sport-wise, that I like more than rugby. And uh, the Six Nations, I heard a pundit on a podcast today say, not only is it the best rugby tournament of the year, it's possibly the best sports tournament of the year, which... I think is probably a statement coming from a very rugby-centric point of view, but I don't disagree with it. The Six Nations, friends, is a rugby tournament that is just around Robin. It is uh, takes place in uh, Europe, mainly in the UK, and also France and Italy, and Ireland, which I know is not part of the UK, but uh, anyway... Western Europe. <laughs> Let's go with Western Europe. And it takes place between six nations, hence the name. Those nations, glad you asked. That would be, as mentioned, Italy and France, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and England. Uh, I know some of you might be going France, Italy. Trust me, they've got good rugby teams. Italy used to have a real stinker of a team. But, spoiler alert, they seem to have turned things around. They did beat Wales at the end of last year's uh, Six Nations, which was heartbreaking to me, a Wales fan, uh, and also led to a number of um, very unkind, mean jokes leveled my way, because uh, losing to Italy at that time was pretty bad. Like, I don't know a football analogy, but I seem to remember uh, in a Simpsons episode, the Hank Scorpio one, that uh, that Homer's dream in life was to own the uh, the Denver Broncos. No way. Was that the team he got? I think he got the Cleveland Browns. Anyway, if there's a team like that in football that nobody likes, that's like what Italy was, but now they're not like that anymore. This weekend was the opening weekend. Wales, under their new slash old coach Warren Gatland, who came back after they fired the new coach, Wayne Pivak. Uh, people thought it could have been a real grudge match, a real, real punch up between them and uh, the literally number one team in the world, Ireland. Uh, uh, sadly, not what happened. Uh, Ireland took them to the cleaners. It was 34-10. Absolute blowout. It was the most points Wales has given up in a Six Nations game in like 15 years or something horrible. Not a good outing for Wales or Welsh fans. I was feeling sad. But then Scotland and England played in what's known as the Calcutta Cup. Any time in the Six Nations, because you only play each team once, uh, when Scotland and England play each other, there's an added bonus, which is they play for this trophy called the Calcutta Cup. I don't know too much about it. I'm going to assume it was a trophy that uh, was stolen from uh, India during colonization, uh, and we've just all forgotten about that and just have a real good time uh, watching Scotland and England play vie for it uh, in a sport that is not widely played in India. Not saying it's not played, just not widely played. Uh, anyway, uh, Scotland's won it against all odds because England should just 
on paper and in real life be a much better team. They've won it five out of the last six times or something like that. And uh, don't you know, they went ahead and won it again on Saturday. Uh, shocking almost everybody, uh, including me, even though I did pick them to win in my uh, pool. I thought it was more of a good value bet. It did turn out to be a high value bet. It pushed me into third place in the pool. Uh, so that was something. And then most shockingly on Sunday, Italy and France played each other. And many people, myself included, predicted that that would be the most boring game of the uh, entire uh, uh, contest because France would just throttle Italy. Because France is uh, currently the second place team in the entire world and is heavy favorites to win the World Cup that they are hosting this October. Uh so it was expected that they would field like a bunch of nobodies and would still just destroy Italy. What ended up happening was it was a tight game. Italy took the lead in the second half and didn't give it up until the last play of the game when France just managed to uh, squeak out a, uh, uh, a win. And uh, everybody, nobody saw that coming. Everybody was surprised. So now everyone's on high alert that Italy came to play. And... Uh, couldn't have been anything better for the tournament. Also for Welsh people who now can say, well, look, France almost lost to them. What are you making fun of us for losing to them last year for? They're really good. I digress. Man, what a weekend for rugby, though. Now I hear you asking, Chris, that was such a fascinating and insightful uh, bit of commentary. Where can I uh, participate in watching this delightful tournament? And I will tell you, uh, there's, um, there's an easy way and a fun way. The easy way is it's available on DAZN, D-A-Z-N, which is a sports streaming service. Uh, you can get it on your Apple TV, your Roku, your uh, Android, uh, whatever. Um, you'll need a subscription, but the first month uh, when you're a new customer is free. And as long as you continue to provide a different email address and payment method, you can milk that as many times as you've got payment methods and, uh, and <laughs> email addresses <laughs> available. So uh, I think I probably got about seven or eight uh, free months out of DAZN before I ended up having to pay. But I am not paying for DAZN. Uh, by the way, you can just pay month by month. It's like 20 bucks. It's pretty good. There are a bunch of other things, including the English Premiership and like the Bundesliga. Um, and like, I think they have F1 and like American football and I don't know, all sorts. Just a bunch of stuff I don't watch. Oh, and darts and snooker. They've got the darts and the snooker. It's pretty good. Um, but I didn't get my DAZN subscription because I don't need it because I watch it at my rugby club. And I know you're thinking, oh, but Chris, you go to a bougie private club. How would I ever uh, get into that? I don't even think they're accepting new members right now. And you know what? You're right. I can get you in if you play rugby. And not me. Just rugby will get you in. But I digress. Uh, but seriously, actually, if you do play rugby and you're looking to play, we have all four championships right now. Where are the club to play for? Uh, hit me up. For real, if you want to play rugby in Toronto. We're the best. But I digress. You don't need to be a member to come watch the Six Nations is the point of the story. You can come on down on a Saturday. Now it is 20 bucks to get in because the license to show it is not cheap. And it's also a fundraiser for our junior program, which again, if you've listened to this program more than once or twice, you probably know that I am a coach of. And I am very, uh, very passionate about coaching the little 
little folks, the little kids in rugby, especially the littlest. The four and five-year-olds are absolutely my favorite. Uh, so it's a fundraiser for that program. Uh, helps us buy kit and balls and get permits for the field and all sorts. So if you want to come down and watch, you can look up the schedule online. It's easy to find. Just look up. Uh, you can look up Six Nations uh, schedule if you want to be North American. You could also look up Six Nations fixtures if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about. Google won't care. Or maybe it does, but it'll never tell you. It's very polite, Google. But uh, check it out. See if there's a match you want to come down to. None of the Sunday games are being shown in the hall. They're just being shown in the bar at the club. And uh, for that, you do have to be a member, unfortunately. But any of the Saturday games, and and I couldn't uh, say enough good things about what's known as Super Saturday. Now, I mentioned that this tournament is a round robin. Each team plays each other once. You get a certain number of points for a win. There are some other ways you get extra points. And whichever team at the end of the uh, tournament has the most points wins. Uh, There's no playoff. There's no knockout. Nothing. You just play each team once. You get some points. And the more points you get, the more likely you are to win. It's a pretty cool tournament for that. Uh, What it does mean is that often uh, the last Saturday... Uh, is the deciding day. Uh, It's known as Super Saturday because there's no Sunday game. They put all three games on Super Saturday. And it's a fantastic time. Uh, Do bring your drinking pants because uh, we start early and we go long. Uh, But holy moly, there's no better day in the sporting calendar. You can keep your Super Bowl. Actually, the Masters is probably up there too if I'm honest. But you can keep your Stanley Cups, your World Serieses, your Grey Cups, anything. Nothing on Super Saturday. Holy moly. That is May the 18th. Added bonus, it's the day after St. Paddy's, which is awesome in of itself. Added, added bonus, Ireland may well be vying for not just the Uh, Six Nations Championship, but what's known as a Grand Slam, which is to say they've won every game. They started out by beating Wales. They look strong. They could do it. And watching Ireland win a Grand Slam the day after St. Pat's, it just doesn't get better than that. The Guinness will be flowing. So if you want to come down and check that out, either look me up, DM me, message me, whatever, or uh, check out, you can look up Balmy Beach uh, Club and uh, information should be available. Just come on down. It's 360 Lakeshore. It's the bottom of Beach Avenue in, uh, in the beaches in Toronto. Uh, games kick off at 9.45. So come down, bring cash. That's all I can say. You don't need cash for the bar, but you need cash to get in. Uh, bring a credit card or a debit card for the bar. Because again, you're going to want to drink. That's one of the joys of rugby, is you drink while you watch it. And if you don't drink, well, you can have whatever you want, but I digress. I'm going to have a sip of this beer. Mm-mm-mm. Remind you to be safe out there. Check out the link in the description to this song. It is Link Ray Gunn off of the EP, We Are the Curry Brothers, from Pride of Gravenhurst, Ontario, The Curry Brothers. Rob's going to take us home. You have a good night. Bye.